Matthew 26, 31. This is right after the Last Supper. So I just want to bring you through the story. And I want to end with the story of the resurrection here. Jesus is at the Last Supper. He eats with his best friends. He's, he's, he's about to go to the cross. And Matthew 26, 31 picks up. It says, Jesus told them that very night. He says, you will fall away on the account of me. He says, all of you will fall away on the account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And I just want to point out three things here. The disciples are confident about who Jesus claims to be. The disciples are confident that he is the savior of the world. They're following him for three years. They trust him. They love him. They believe who he says he is until he gets arrested. Everybody's in until he gets arrested. It's like everybody, you know, I, thought, I, I, I always say that, that many people have their ideas. I mean, even us as Christians. I mean, we, we love him, we'll serve him, and, and, and we have this Christian idea until, until, for me, most of the time, if I'm honest, until one of you cut me off in traffic, <laughs> then I kind of like lose my religion a little bit. Right, but like everyone has until like I believe he's Lord, I believe he's King, I'm Christian until someone brings 25 items to the 20 checkout line, at and then at that point I, I, I lose my sense of self, lose my sense of self a little bit. You know, it's 10 items or less. Don't bring 20 items because I gotta wait a little bit longer and I forget. And so we 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 trust him and we believe him. He's a God of love. He cares about us until your wife says something crazy, until your husband does something nasty, until your boss tells you to do something you don't want to do, until there's always these untils for them. It was we love him, we trust him, we follow him, but he gets arrested, and that's my until, and I'm out of there. Because all my hope and all my dreams is in this man, and all of a sudden he's being captured, captivated, and he's being taken away. He's going to be arrested and killed. That means that everything that he said is not true. There becomes a point where we see maybe what he said is not true. When sickness hits your body, maybe what he said is not really true. When I lose my job and I don't have the finances anymore, maybe what he said is not really true. Maybe I need to reconsider my theology, reconsider my faith, or maybe I don't even take it that far. Maybe I just stop praying a little bit. Maybe I stop coming to church. Maybe I just walk away from all of the morals and all of the values and everything that I believe to be good, right, and true because I have my until. And God knows our shortcomings. And if you have this, I want you to circle this. If you're in your Bible or if you're on that handout, I just want you to circle where it says, you will fall away. Come on. He knows that they're going to fall away. He had dinner with these guys. He washed their little nasty feet, gave them bread, gave them wine, like took care of them. One of them was going to betray him. He gave them bread anyway, then told them, go and betray me. And he turns to the rest of them and he's like, all of you are going to fall away from me. Now, if I knew that all of you were going to fall away from me, I would not wash your little nasty feet. I would not give you my best bread. I would not give you my favorite wine. But like, because you are already going to betray me. Jesus says, all of you are going to fall away from me tonight. And I know it. And, and, and I love this because as, as a Christian and as believers, you can be certain that the God of the universe, he knew the little messes that you were going to get into. He knew those little lies you would tell under pressure. 
He, he knew, he knew the, the things that were in your heart. He knew those addictions would come back up. He knew the thing that you walked away from years ago that you're falling back into, he knew that was coming. He knew. He says, you will fall away from me. When you get to that checkout line and she has 30 items, I know what's going to be in your heart in that moment. I know the finger you're going to show that person who cut you off, right? He knows. And because he knows, and because he knows, and this is the second part I want you to just highlight or circle or, or blow it up or take a picture or post it on your Instagram. These are just two really important parts of the scripture. He says, you will fall away, but I want you to highlight this. He says, I will go ahead of you. I will go ahead of you. He says, I know you're going to fall away, but I'm going to go ahead of you. I know that there's going to be a gap where you believe in me, start here, you believe in me greatly, and I know that there will become a point where you fall away. But I'm going to go ahead of you. I'm going to go to the place where you will eventually come to. You've, you've got to understand this. How many of you know that whatever you're going through, you're going to get through it? Whatever you're going through, you're going to get through it. Whatever you're going through, you're going to get through it. That's what the death and resurrection is about. It's all going to come to an end one day. The pain that's in your body, it's going to come to an end one day. The, 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 the suffering, the disappointment, the things that you're struggling with that you've been trying to shake for years that you can't shake, those family members that keep going astray, that constantly disappoint you, it's all going to come to an end one day. And this is what Jesus is saying. It's going to come to an end. And I'm going to go to the end where it will eventually come. So I'm going to go ahead of you. I'm going to go to the place where you will eventually end up at. That's what the cross is about. And the death is in the middle right here. So this is my sin. This is the path. And this is where I'll eventually end up. He says, I'm going to go ahead of you. So I'm going to send you to a place and I'm going to go ahead of you. And, and here's the cool part. And I really love this. Even when you don't believe it. Some of you are like, ah, that's way too theological for me to believe. You're like, that's way too spiritual, way too poetic. I don't really know if that's true. Maybe that's true for everyone else, but it's not for me. Even if you don't believe it, even if your faith is, is even if you're struggling with your faith right now, as you're sitting listening to these words and you're struggling with your faith, here's the great news. Even when you don't believe it, he encourages you to press on. Even when you don't believe that he's at the end of whatever you're going through, he encourages you. Just push through it anyway. You don't have to believe that he's there. You don't have to believe that he's at the end. You don't have to believe that he's risen in all victory and in all glory. He's like, okay, even if you don't believe it, still press on. And, 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 and here, here's where I see that. Matthew 28, 7, after the resurrection. So just remember, everyone leaves him because they all know that this is the guy who they trusted, they loved, and they thought that he was going to be the man forever. And he's arrested and he's dead. And they all go, go back to what they were doing. Peter was his closest confidant. And Peter goes back fishing. You guys remember that? Like Jesus is gone, Peter goes back fishing, everybody goes back to, to doing what, what they're doing. Let's just all forget about this. And then at the resurrection, Mary meets him at the tomb, and then Mary says, go quickly and tell the disciples. So he said, go, go, go and tell them that he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. They don't believe it because they're not in Galilee. Jesus told them where they ought to go, and they're not there. But Jesus sends a messenger to say, press on, you will just, just keep on going. You, they didn't see the risen Lord. They had Mary. 
Mary came and said, I know you don't believe that he's in Galilee, but just keep, but, but just go to Galilee anyway. Just press on. Keep on going. You're going to get through what you're going through. Just, just keep on going because he is there. So even if you don't believe it, I might be your Mary today. You may not believe it, but I just want to tell you, press on because he's there. He said to go to Galilee. You may not believe that he's there. You may not believe that he's at the end, but I'm telling you that he's at the end. And if your faith is not enough, let my faith be enough for you to encourage you to press on, travel up that hill and go to Galilee because that is what he has promised. That's what he's promised. Number three in your handout, God will only send me where he plans to meet me. God will only send me where he plans to meet me. And you have got to know this. He will only send you where he plans to meet you. And that means that on your way there, if you can't sense him, if you can't see him, if you're questioning, Lord, why? How many of you have ever asked, Lord, why? <laughs> Lord, why? Like three people? All right, some, some of you have way more faith than me. I have those like, why moments like in, in, in my car mainly because I don't want to scare my kids and my wife because, because, I'm, because they all think like I, I have it all together. So like sometimes like I'm like, baby, I, I, I got to go to the store. I got to get something from the store and I'm driving to the store. Why, Lord, why, why, why? I have my why moments because the journey there is a lot harder sometimes. And some of you are going through and the journey is hard. But let me encourage you that God only sends you where he plans to meet you. He will meet you there. He will meet you there. This is, this is why. This is why you've got to trust him. This is why you've got to believe him. This is why you've got to keep on moving. This is why you've got to keep on loving. This is why he says things like love those who, who hate you. Bless those who persecute you. Pray for them. Because, because if you keep pressing on and just keep the character and keep the morals and keep the values, don't lose your faith. Don't lose your religion. Just keep on pressing on. Get into Galilee. Just get into Galilee because I'm going to be there. I'm going to meet you there if you just press on. And that's what I want to encourage you today. Press on whatever you're going through. The only way, listen, the only way to get through what you're going through is to go through it. I know it seems like you will. The only way to get through what you're going through is to go through it. Imagine yourself in a tunnel. The only way to get through the tunnel is to go through the tunnel. So keep on moving through your tunnel because he is at the end of it. The worst thing you could do is stop in the middle. The disciples stopped in the middle. Mary came and said, guys, wake up. Come on. Don't stop in the middle of this tunnel. Keep on moving to Galilee. Don't you give up on his promises. Don't, don't you give up on what he told you to do. Because he sent you there because he plans to meet you there. Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mount where Jesus had told them to go. Their faith was shook. They were awakened and they went to the place where Jesus told them to go. Not because they believed it. Not because they believed it. And I, and, and I, I, I get some slack for this sometimes because I, I, I share with people, and this in, I share with people like, you don't have to have this immaculate faith in Jesus to follow him. You know, I, I, I spent 10 years as a police officer and I challenged most of my coworkers who were not Christians to follow Jesus and I didn't require that they believe in him. I didn't require that, that they believe in all my theology for them to follow Jesus. And here's what I told them to, to do. I would, I would just tell them things that Jesus said, but I wouldn't tell them that Jesus said it. 
tell them your wife is going through this is man listen you just gotta just just love her you know like I, I was teaching them how to love if I, if I could teach you how to love like Jesus loves you don't have to you 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 may not have enough faith for Galilee right now some of you may not have enough faith for Galilee but if you have enough faith for, for just this one step if you have enough faith to take one step just take that one step just take that one step. The worst thing that I believe that I could do today is tell you that you need to have enough faith for Galilee to move. And I'm saying that wherever you are, press on, move forward. You will eventually get to Galilee. He will meet you. He will meet you. He makes promises and he gives instruction. You follow instruction, he keeps promises. That's his job. And so verse 17, when they saw him, when they saw him, you have to imagine they weren't even going to go, but they went anyway. They pressed on and they saw him. And when they saw him, they worshiped him and some doubted. You guys, you guys see what I'm saying here? It's like, I don't believe that there is a person in this room, contrary to popular belief, there's not a Christian in this room that has 100% maximum faith every single day that never doubts. There is no such thing. And if I ask you to raise your hand, if you've never doubted and you raised your hand, then you would be a liar. That's why I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand <laughs> because I don't want to embarrass you. But we all have this place of doubt. Listen, they saw him. And some of you might feel this way. Even as a pastor, sometimes I feel this way. Sometimes even at church, the church that I pastor, sometimes people are like pressing into worship and they're like weeping and crying. And I'm like, oh, I hope my wife is making dinner. I'm like, I'm really hungry. I'm really tired. You guys ever have those moments where it's like everyone is worshiping him except for you? Like everyone is praising him except for you. Like everyone is pressing in except for you. Like, and I'm just like, Lord, I'm just not feeling the thing. Maybe I'm disqualified. He's like, you came to Galilee. I'm showing up. Some worshiped him and some doubted. But then Jesus spoke to all of them anyway. How many of you know that Jesus doesn't just speak to those who are passionate in worship? Jesus didn't take aside those who were worshiping and put aside those who doubted. He spoke to everyone collectively. He opened his mouth and said, listen, guys, those who believe and to those who don't believe. Like Chris said, he disqualified. He speaks. He's a king who comes for everyone. If you're in disbelief today, he has come for you. If you're on the fringes of your faith today, he has come for you. If you don't even really believe this whole Jesus thing, he came for you too. If you walked away from him, he's come to you. If you don't serve him, he comes to you. If you don't love him, he comes to you. That's what makes him who he is. Some worshiped him, some doubted. He opened his mouth, and this is what I want you to underline. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Like, he didn't say, hey, you over there, your hands aren't high enough. He said, hey, I don't see you singing those words. Like, hey, you, get down lower, get on your feet. Hey, I don't see you weeping. He's not like demanding worship. He brings it back to himself. Guys, man, if I were in your chair, I'd be way more excited about this. He does not demand that you perform. He does not demand that you perform. And so you could put the ideas of performance aside. And one of the things that we value here at Doral Vineyard is authenticity. If it's authentic, let's do it. But if it's not, let's call it a day and go home. Maybe tomorrow. 
Because I, I'm, I'm not going to force you to behave and force you to perform and force you to pretend because God is too real. He's not pretend. He's not pretend so you don't have to either. And, and, and the thing that happens here is when he comes, he points back to himself and he says, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. So he doesn't call you out. He calls to himself. And this is the cool thing about what he says. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, I want you to imagine this for just one second, right? This is really cool. Im imagine that you're best friend in the whole world. And if you don't have a best friend, someone who really likes you. And if you don't know anyone who really likes you, imagine it's me, because I really like you, right? So, so imagine, someone, imagine someone really close to you, right? And imagine that that person, like, they would do anything for you. Some of you have these people in your life. And some of you who don't have these people in your life, you, you're going to get them. God is going to start to surround you with people who, who shows you that he loves you. Like God is going to start to surround you with people who loves you like he does. The greatest, yeah, can, can I just prophesy that? Like God is going to put people in your life who are going to love you like he loves you. Like you're not going to have to have guesswork about how Jesus loves you. Because he's going to put someone with flesh and someone who can speak. Like someone's going to be Jesus to you, and it's not going to be irreligious. Someone is going to be Jesus to you, and it's not going to be heresy. Some, God is going to put people in your life who are just going to love you like Jesus loves you. And you're going to wake up and say, I, I, he, he loves me this way. So, Father, would you just bring some Jesus-type people into our lives? Father, would you make us Jesus-type people for each other, people who would lay down for us, people who would, who would just know your love so much that they impute it and press it into our lives that we would have no doubt that we are loved by the Father, that we would have no doubt about that. We thank you, Jesus. I imagine this person. Imagine this person who loves you so much. If you said you were sick, they would call out of work. If they had their last sick day, they would lose their job if they had to. I'll find another job. I'm going to come and bring you chicken soup if you're sick. Imagine this type of person who is like, I have everything I need, but I'm short a few dollars here. But it's, it's really just for pleasure. It's just, I, I just want to go to the movies. And, but it's like, hey, listen, I'm going to sell some of my stuff so that you can have fun. Imagine someone who loves you this greatly. Like, I, I have one car, but if your two cars break down, I'm going to give you my one car and I'll catch a bus. Imagine someone who loves you like that. They're not rich. But they just love you richly. And now, here's the exciting part. Imagine if that person wins the lottery. How many of you know that your lottery day has come too? Because if they gave when they had nothing, imagine how much they'll give when they have everything. Jesus says, listen, guys, like Chris talked about, I came poor. I was homeless. I was born in a manger. I walked the streets. I had nothing. But now... All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. If while I was poor, I washed your feet. While I had nothing, I gave you the last few crusty pieces of bread that I had. While, while I was homeless, I slept, in, I slept in people's homes and I invited you with me. While I had nothing, I gave you everything. While I had no clothes on my back, I hung on a cross for you. I gave everything for you and to you when I had nothing and when I gave everything to you and I had nothing left, I hung on a cross and I gave my life for you because I couldn't give any more. I emptied my pockets, I emptied my clothes, and I emptied myself. And I gave everything to you. 
And he says, now, now I have power in all of heaven, but now I have power in all the earth. And what does that mean for you? If he gave to you so much before the cross, how much more does he have to give to you after the cross? He says, all authority. Somebody say all authority. All authority. A great speaker once said, if Jesus says he has all authority, that means that there's someone who has none. The enemy of your soul has none. He says, I have all authority. He wasn't like, I have 99.9% authority, but there's still that 0.1% that's going to creep up on you every now and again. He says, I have all authority. He says, I have it on heaven and I have it on earth. And what does that mean? That means that I could take the stuff of heaven and bring it into the earth. That means that the healing that belongs to heaven, I can bring it because I, I have authority to do this. And not only does he have authority, and I talked about this a little bit on Friday, not only does he have authority, but he has pierced the realm of heaven and earth. In the death and resurrection, what Jesus did was something that no one else could do. He breached the gap between time and eternity. He forced himself through the wormhole of time. And he stretched into the heavens while still being on the earth. God became a man. And then he went into the grave and he conquered death in the grave. And he conquered another portal of time. And he's like, now I own it all. <laughs> I'm holding on to earth. I'm holding on to heaven. I'm keeping these doors open. I can bring stuff into the earth that belongs to heaven. And all your stuff that's on earth, your sin, and, and all that, I can bring that all into heaven so it'll get washed up. And I'm holding these doors open. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to your God. You've got to get excited about this. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to your God. He has all authority. He has authority over sickness. He has authority over diseases. He has authority over your divorce, over your love life, over your marriage. He has all authority. Tell me something he has. Tell me something he doesn't have authority over. He has authority over that. He has authority over every single area of life. This is, this is what he says. And he, he, here's the good part. He doesn't just say it to the Christians who are really excited. He doesn't just say it to those who are clapping. He says it to you too who are doubting. He also says it to you who are like, I don't really understand this. He says, you, you don't have to understand it. But just know that I own everything and I have all power in everything. So just come to me and trust me. That's all you need to know. You, know, you don't even have to understand this theologically. I barely understand it theologically. Think some heaven, earth, I don't know how it works. But he says he has all authority in heaven and on earth. And then what I want to end with here is what he's saying to do with that authority. And this is where the Christian divide happens. This is where I might lose some of you. <laughs> Jesus says he has all authority on heaven and on earth. Everyone say, therefore. Therefore. For those of you who are English majors, therefore means that you need to see what came before. It means that what I'm about to say next is tied to what I just said. It means that, therefore, it's because I have power and authority, this is why you should go. He says, therefore, go. He says, therefore, go. Now, if I was a televangelist, and if I had a few thousand people watching, I would stop there and I would say, he has all power and authority, and therefore, 
He wants to heal you, bless you, and make you rich. And that's typically what we're told. He has all authority, and therefore, he wants to empower you and give you a better life so you have no more problems. But that's not what he's talking about. That's what happens eventually. That's the stuff that comes. But he says, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. So therefore, go. Don't be afraid. Go. He doesn't say, I have all power and authority, so stay here and worship me in Galilee. He says, I have power and authority over everything. So I'm sending you into the places where I have power and authority over. He says, therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and in the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. That's why he has power on heaven and on earth, because he's sending us out to go. He's sending us out to go. For those of you who frequent Dura Vineyard a lot, you always hear me say, this is not about you. This whole thing is not all about you. The moment that Jesus captures you, it's all about you. And then you become all about him. And he's all about people. And so we can't get stuck in the in-between. He says, I have power and authority on heaven and on earth. Therefore, go, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And if you're concerned about that, if you're concerned that people are going to think that you're a Christian nut, if you're concerned that you might lose some of your, 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 your reputation in your job, if you're afraid that people, your neighbors might think you're crazy, if you're afraid, Jesus says to go. And if you're afraid to go, he says, don't worry about that because I'm always with you to the very end of the age. Number four, the last point on your handout, God will remain with me as I make him known. God will remain with you as you make him known. The moment that you become a follower of Jesus, we're going to do this thing full circle. Because I think for far too long, we call people to be followers of Jesus, and we keep them as followers for Jesus so long that they no longer make followers of Jesus. I just keep you focusing on becoming more like Christ so much that you never focus on others who are not there yet. I keep you so much in this in-between place that you never get to the rest of the stuff that he's talking about. But there is joy in sharing the gospel. There is joy in loving like Jesus loves. You can't just come to Jesus and stay there because he says, I have way too much power, way too much authority over all these places. He has authority over your schools. He has authority on your campuses. He has authority on your job. He has authority in your home. He has authority in every single place on earth. Every single place. He has authority in Brussels. He has authority in the Middle East. He has authority in all these places. And he says, therefore, go. I've called you to me. And I'm giving you the power and the authority to go. And if you're concerned and if you're worried, number one, just know that he has all authority. And number two, know that he's always with you. And so therefore, go. To follow Jesus, you become instant missionaries. You become instant missionary when you become a follower of Jesus. There wasn't a disciple that followed him that didn't make more disciples. 
And the disciple-making process just simply means a few things here. And, and, and there's two um, lines under your, your, your handout here. And, and one of them is to make God known is to share our story. Share our story. Now, when I say our story, I don't just mean our collective story. I mean share your story with God. Share the our story, the me and Jesus story. Like share your story with people. How did, how did you come to a place of faith? Share your story is the first place of making him known. Make, make him known personally to, to, to you. And this, this has to be priority. This has to be priority. And I, and I chose specifically to speak on this on Easter, knowing that many of you would come who don't frequent this place. Because if I could just tell you one thing and one thing only, the more you give yourself away, the more you will enjoy your life. The more you give yourself away, the more, listen, if, if, if your life is dull and boring and, and, and if it's monotonous and if all there is, there's problems, my encouragement to you is just start to give yourself away. Just start to give yourself away. Just, just find, how, how, how can I bless somebody? How can I love somebody? Is it my neighbor? Is it the person at the checkout aisle? Is it someone who's sitting next to me right now? How can I give myself away? How can, how, 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 how can I just pour out whatever's been given to me? How, how can I love incredibly? Maybe about like 50 or 60% of this room are like, yeah, but this is Miami though. <laughs> this is Miami though. Can't tell you how many people are like, I just want to get out of Miami. I want to leave Miami. M- my wife and I wanted to leave Miami too. But I was sitting with Chris at lunch one day, and, and, and he said something that really just turned my heart. He's like, you've got like, to love the city where God has you. And I was like, ah! <laughs> 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 ah! ah! Check, please. <laughs> because we want to get on about this city. We want to go to the promised land, North Carolina. <laughs> we, we just want to get to the promised land. You get an anchor and a house and you, your neighbors are far away. It's the promised land. That's where we all want to go. We want to retire. It's like, I just want to do my 20 years and get on about this city. You got to love the city where God has you. He has authority in Miami and he says, therefore, Go. Therefore, go, make him known in this city. If you want to see the city change, you have to be catalysts of change. You've got to decide that I'm going to go back to my workplace, go back to my school, go back to my family, and I'm going to start by just sharing my story. And secondly, I'm going to share his love. I'm going to make his love known. If you want to see the city be more loving, you've got to love more. If you, all right, so here's the tricky part. Here's, Here's the tricky part, right? All of us in this room, I won't even exclude myself from this, right? All of you are like, yeah! Oh! And I'm preaching it, right? We gotta love more! But then something happens when we leave this building, and it's like all of that just falls apart. If we're real, right? If, if we're real, like something happens, and then we just forget that we clapped at that. I forget that I preached that. And like, we just go back to the same place where we were. My prayer for today is that something would happen. 
that this won't just be something that we say and share and applaud at, but it'll be something that we make a commitment to say, God has put you in this city for a reason. You don't even have to be a part of this church. If this is your first time and or your last time here and you live in this city, and if you don't live in this city, whatever city you're in, God has put you in a place because he's put something in you for that city. And the worst thing you could do is to rob that city of yourself. The worst thing you could do is keep yourself away from the city because you're robbing the city of the blessing that God has for that city. The worst thing we could do is stay locked up in our churches, stay locked up in our homes. That's the worst thing that we could do because you don't believe that he has authority in the earth. You don't believe that you're actually changed and transformed. Like, you've got to know that when you came to Jesus, he changed you. Some of you are like, I don't really feel changed. That's okay. I didn't feel changed for a long time. But people saw me change. I didn't know I was changed, but, but change was a process. It was a process that was happening to me. And the moment that, that you got saved, he transformed you into a new person. And that new person, he says, therefore, go, make me known in the earth. Make me known in the earth. I'm not talking about running for office. I'm not talking about voting for the right legislation that's going to change the city. I'm saying go and love people incredibly. Love them incredibly and make them know that the Father loved them. Like we prayed about before, be the people that enter into others' lives and love them and show them the love of God. That's how families change. That's how my family changed. That's how I changed when people loved me incredibly. Next week, I, I, I invited um, uh, um, this, this, this pastor, David Futrell, who, who changed me. He doesn't even know it. I'm going to share next week when he's here. But he, he doesn't even know it. I've never really shared this with him. I've, I've never shared it with him. But like the, he just loved me incredibly while I was still in my sin, while I was still... <laughs> Some of you know, <laughs> while I was still doing all kinds of ungodly things, this man just loved me, changed me, transformed me. And now, and now I get to be here in front of you all because he loved me greatly. What if you could love someone like that? What if, what if you could love someone who's like me then, who, who, who probably pastor a church of thousands, maximum impact and change the city? What if, what if that's your neighbor? If you just poured out love for them, what if someone in your neighborhood or in your job or in your class is the next senator, next president? And what if you're the catalyst for love in their lives? 